You are listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope you are encouraged by this today. For more information about our weekly services or messy church, you can find us at haddingtonelamchurch.com. What if you had something really, really important to tell someone? Like really, really important. Where you almost lost sleep the night before because what you had to say was so important. Have you ever had something so important to say that words almost escaped you? Where it's like you don't even know how you can formulate it into words. Have you ever been there to that point where you don't even know what to say? What if it was the biggest announcement that would affect the whole world? What if you carried news that would change the life of every man, woman, and child? What if it was the best news that you could ever give to somebody? I know in a day and age we live in, people want good news. What would you do? How would you communicate that? How would you say that? Would we take out a Facebook ad? Would we take out a newspaper article? Would we, like, how would you do that? If you had something so important that was, like, something that could change everything about the whole world. So, having something important to tell someone. Maybe you are getting ready to tell someone that you're expecting a child And so you have that excitement and it's a secret and you're not uh, telling anyone. And then now people do the big reveal. It's the big thing. The balloon, the pink balloon or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? All the different reveals and things that people do. Yeah, just the gender reveal. So, you know, they get the whole family together and then they'll pop a balloon or cut a... They do something and then that'll let everyone know we're having a girl or having a boy. What about a promotion at work? What if you were getting that big promotion and... Maybe that you had been working really hard. And so you have this exciting news and you almost are bursting to tell someone. How would you announce news that was so profound that it's almost unbelievable? How would you best communicate that? That's something that John had a challenge of doing. What if that news that you had wasn't to be secret? What if it wasn't that you're concealing uh, that, that important news? What if it was made to be shouted from the rooftops? The message, the announcement that you had, it would radically change the lives of people for the better. If that was the case, would you remain silent? Have you ever met a celebrity? Semi-celebrity? Anyone ever met a celebrity? It's one of those things that in our day and age, we need the proof. You could say that you met so-and-so. You would need the proof. If you didn't have the picture of you with them, people would be like, yeah, okay. Maybe if you didn't have the autograph. What if meeting the celebrity was beyond the magnitude of the people that would believe you in your circle? Maybe people that know you close would be like, well, they wouldn't lie. If they said they met so-and-so, I'd have to take their word for it. But outside of that circle, they wouldn't believe you. How would you put pen to paper and describe the most profound thing that you've ever experienced? I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but these guys that that wrote these gospels, these men that walked with Jesus, they like have to document uh, uh, what they saw and heard. So John had this task in his account. He documents the birth, the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus. I mean, imagine trying to document that. Imagine trying to, especially knowing that you don't have a selfie, you don't have other stuff that you can let somebody know that, That's proof. 
Here he is with the long-awaited Messiah who's in Israel and asks this young man to follow him. Some think that John might have been one of the youngest and they think he might have been 16, 17 years old. He has met the most amazing man to ever live. In the moment that God, the creator of all, became a man in the flesh. Where do you write about such an encounter? Where do you start? How would you describe this? This man, this Messiah that everyone in your whole country has waited hundreds, if not thousands of years for, the one whom Isaiah had prophesied would come is right here, right now. I just want you to just think about that for a moment. Imagine, how would you even describe that? One thing I would recommend, and this is what John does, is to start at the beginning. We have the four gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, and each of them starts and tells a different tale. It starts, some of them start with a genealogy. And I don't know if you're like me, but so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so, I just get lost. And the names are really difficult, and I, I, I saw somebody one time put it with like modern names, like Tom begat uh, Paul, and it's still, I still get lost, you know? And I mean, when you're like, the one is like 14 generations from here to here, 14 generations from here to here, like, John starts at the beginning, which is usually a good place to start. And John draws some parallels, at least in the beginning account of Genesis, which also started at the beginning. So let's start in verse 1. And it says, John writes, in the beginning. So this is people that are authors and things, sometimes just getting it started a long, long time ago. It starts, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So he takes his account and starts there. And so what he writes is of utmost importance. He, Jesus, is the eternal word, without beginning and without end, eternal forever. That's hard for our minds to comprehend. He's forever. He's eternal. He had no beginning. There wasn't any start that we could know. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And remember, they were like, you're not even 30 years old. What are you talking about? He's eternal. He has always existed. And he is not a created being. Some people have that idea that God created him. He is God. They try to always put him outside of the deity that he is. He is God himself. The word Christ was before all that would come after and be created. John points this out as he felt it most important that this man Jesus was unlike any who have come before or since. This is a unique, one of a kind, the Son of God. He was much more than a prophet. Some thought he was a prophet. Some thought he was a priest or a rabbi. Even today, in some religions, they think he was just a prophet, that he was a good man, that he was a religious teacher, but they do not agree or think that he is God. He is the Messiah, and he is before all things. John also points out and says that Jesus came from heaven, demonstrating that Jesus is God. Don't think that the Gospel of John tries to complete the story of Jesus John said that the story of Jesus is so big. He said the world itself could not contain the books that would be written if everything that Jesus did was written down. 
John finds it of utmost importance to acknowledge that Jesus is God. See, he's documenting this. He knows that there'll be many that come after generations later. And what a, what a, a task to try, to try to, it's so important. How does he put it? And he says, this is what I want you to know first and foremost, that he is God. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He has the final say on everything. He is from above, the unique only begotten of the Father. And John points out that he was in the beginning with God. See, it wasn't that God was there and then created this uh, smaller God-like you know, figure. He was with God in the beginning. They're one and the same Continuing on verse 3, and all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. As God, he's the creator of all. And in the Genesis account, it starts with, in the beginning, God speaks to the darkness. God speaks to the void. It says that he speaks and says, let there be light. And John draws the parallel and talks about that Jesus is the light. He creates the light before he creates the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the trees and the animals and people. It said darkness was over the face of the deep. And John starts his gospel with the light of the world coming into the hearts of those who accept him as their savior. Friends, he's the resurrection and the life. He is the light that has come into this world. And Jesus said that men prefer darkness. And he says, few will come to the light that he brings. Many will not comprehend the light of Christ. They do not let his light penetrate their darkened hearts and minds. It says that the enemy has blinded the, the minds of those. When we're talking with people in the street and you're sharing your faith, it says the enemy has blinded their minds. We need to pray that God can have a breakthrough because their minds are just darkened. They don't comprehend God. Other versions say that the darkness did not overcome it. It wasn't that the darkness overcame the light. Light is something that shines into the darkest areas and illuminates it. And that's what he does in the life of a believer. It isn't that the word contains life and light. He is life and light itself. I find that absolutely fascinating. You know, they've explored deep into the oceans. And when they go down so far where there's no sunlight, there's very little that's alive down there. Light is what gives almost all life to everything on this planet. The light brings life and is vital. Later in John 8, 12, he says, And Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You guys ever been somewhere really dark where you need to turn on your torch? I just know that it's so much helpful, more helpful to have the light. But people are stumbling around in the darkness. They don't comprehend the light that he brings. Here, having light means having life. The light of life is for all who will believe in Jesus. And for us, we don't have to stumble around in the darkness, which I'm thankful for. Like I said, I don't like the dark. But here's where it goes one step further. Jesus tells us to let our light shine before men. So he's the light of life. If he's penetrated our hearts, 
He, we're to let our light shine before men. He says, so that they would see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Isn't that what we want to do? To glorify our Father in heaven, to bring glory to God? His light in us, shining out of us into the world, is his plan to reach the world with the gospel. Let our light so shine. Jesus doesn't say, let my light shine, let your light shine before men. That's a task for us to do. And then John takes a little detour to, in verse 6, and he says, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. It was prophesied that one would come before Messiah in the spirit of Elijah, that one would come, and John the baptizer is that man. I just was looking at this account. If you get a moment this week, read over the, the account of John the Baptist's birth. He had elderly parents. They were barren. And in their late years of life, here comes John to come in and be the forerunner of the Messiah. So special was John as he grew up that many thought that he was the Messiah. They thought he was the one that was prophesied. And he would say that the one coming after, he was not worthy to touch his sandals. When he saw Jesus, he exclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus would say of John the Baptist that he was the greatest prophet born of women. John was the one who came to make the path plain before Jesus came on the scene. Amazing story, amazing life, amazing man. John, the disciple, gives credence about John the Baptist and says that he was a witness. He was one testifying to the fact of who Jesus was. And in Deuteronomy, and they would know this in the scriptures, by the mouths of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So John the disciple is a witness, and he says, John the Baptist witnessed this light. Leon Morris says this, and I quote, The matter of witness is a serious thing, establishing truth and giving ground for faith. Yet witness does more. It commits a man. If I take my stand in the witness box and testify that such and such is the truth of the matter, I'm no longer neutral. I have committed myself. John lets us know that there are those like John the Baptist who have committed themselves by their witness to Christ. Are we committed? Do we testify about the light? Would we be able to share that with people? He says, John the Baptist, you could call him into court. He will testify as to the light. Let me keep going here. Verse 9. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those were his own, did not receive him. It's very sad that the one who created the world, his world, his creation doesn't know him. I find that very sad. He even came to Israel, the covenant people, and they rejected him. They did not recognize, acknowledge, or desire to follow him. But Isaiah said that he would be despised and rejected of men. But friends, his light is still shining have you personally received the light and become a child of God? 
verse 12, but as many as received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. May we receive him gladly. That's the thing when you're sharing your faith with people and people now seem almost hostile. I say hostile to the gospel. If you're sharing your faith, people almost, almost are just extra rude. But they don't know him. They don't recognize him. Jesus says if they don't recognize him, they won't recognize us. Friends, let's trust him with our lives and our families and our futures. In John's day, you had to be born a Jew to be in God's family. And as Jesus spoke with Nicodemus, he said that you must be born again. Friends, thank God in his tremendous mercy that he's given us the right, the privilege to become his children. We don't have to have Jewish heritage to be able to be into his family. When we accept Christ, we're born of the Spirit and are adopted as sons and daughters into his family. I don't know if you've thought about that, but it's a privilege to be his. And John also penned in the other three books of John, but in 1 John 3, 1, he says, with this in mind, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called the children of God. As such, we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it does not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. So we can't expect others to comprehend this gift that God has given to us, this relationship that we have, because they don't know him. They've never experienced the forgiveness that the Son brings. They've never had the relationship with God restored John knew the love of God. John the beloved, the one that Jesus loved. And he tells us that he has blessed us with the highest privilege to be called the children of God. And he goes one step further in his verse and says, not to only be called the children of God, he says, as such you are. Friends, today if you don't realize that or, or know that, you are his. As such you are. Know that. Know who our Father is. And it's of such a privilege because it says here, in, again, in, in verse one of that, how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us. And I'll be closing in a moment and we'll finish off at verse 14. And he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I want to read it for you out of the Amplified. And it says, and the word Christ became flesh human, incarnate, and tabernacled, fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us, and we actually saw his glory, his honor, his majesty, such glory as an only begotten son receives from his father, full of grace, favor, loving kindness, and truth. John is a witness to all of this. And if you look at those verse, those 14 verses as he has to begin with trying to describe the three and a half years that he walked with this man and that he would have 
seen everything that Jesus did behind the scenes. Yes, we have the documented miracles and we have him feeding 5,000 and all the things that are recorded. But John got to be with him. And he says that, that the word became flesh. We saw his glory. We saw his majesty, even if it was for just a moment. This man that all the prophets and the scriptures foretold, he saw him in every action, in word and deed. So think about, fast forward a little bit, when Jesus dies and they saw the resurrected Christ. Imagine the pressure that would have been on them from the religious community to just say you stole the body. They had the might and power of Rome coming against them. And they could stand because they saw the resurrected Christ. And they died, if you look at the apostles, they, most of them died the most horrific deaths you can imagine without wavering because they knew that Jesus rose from the dead. They saw the empty tomb and the risen Lord and nothing could convince them otherwise. And John says this in John 20, 31. And he kind of sums up what he's writing. And he says this, but these are written. He took the time. This is why he did it. These are written or recorded in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God, and that through believing and cleaving and trusting and relying upon him, you may have life through or in his name, through who he is. Why did John write this? Why did the, the apostles do this? John says, so that you will believe, so that those who are far off can believe, those who 2,000 years later can believe. I've written this in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that you can believe, so that you can believe and be saved in and through his name. Friends, this is the most important news we could ever hear the news of the gospel of Jesus coming. This is a perfect time of year to share it. People are excited about Christmas. Let's remind them we celebrate because the baby that we're celebrating that came is the savior of the world. This is what can change hearts and lives. This good news, this Jesus. <clears throat> trust in his atoning work at the cross. And that's what we trust in for our salvation. He is the light in life. I just have two more verses and I'll be finished. Psalm 119, 105 says that your word, he's the word that became flesh. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In essence, we can say, Jesus, you're a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Like I said, if you're in a dark place and you have a torch, don't stumble around in the darkness. He's the light. He lights our path. He illuminates where we're to go. And it's just like a torch. Sometimes in our frustrations with God, we can be like, God, why don't you tell me like the whole picture? But just like a torch, you can only see it just in front of you. Just so you're not stumbling. God gives us the next step. God shows us and shines just enough. He's the light that lights our path. As we get and draw nearer to him, as we stay closely to him, we'll know which way to go. He won't lead us astray. He's the good shepherd. He says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that we can only come and enter through him. In Isaiah 60, you could just leave it play, Rachel. In Isaiah 60, verse 1, it just says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. 
and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Friends, we have the light of life. This is not a secret. This isn't something that's, you know, that we don't want to tell anyone. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I just, I thank you. There's so much in the gospel accounts. Even as we read last night in the gospel account of Luke about how the angels came to the shepherds and announced the birth of the Savior to some shepherds. Lord, it says that your will is that none would perish, that all would come to repentance. Father, I just pray that you would just even give us opportunities in this week or in the next few weeks to just share our faith, to explain the, the reason that we're celebrating, why this event is so significant. Because you came, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Father, I thank you for your word, that light and lamp for our feet to know which way to go. Lord, today I pray for, for our hearts, Lord, that we can have the light of life shine on us. Lord, that we can have our lives illuminated and that your hand will be with us. You said that you will guide us and lead us into everlasting truth, oh God. So Lord, I just thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts, our lives, Lord, in this church. And I pray that you would just continue, Lord, or just, just increase us to be able to be a light to this community. Lord, I do pray for the Nungate. Lord, I pray for Haddington. I pray for the families. Lord, all just within the, the hundreds of yards of here. Lord, those that don't know you. Lord, that don't know that the light has come, that the light has, has shone upon us. So Lord, I pray that, you would let, that we would let our light so shine people would be able to glorify our Father in heaven. So Lord, I pray that we can point people to the Savior. That you will use us, God. That you will use us to just be the voice, be the mouthpiece to shout this good news that is not to be kept a secret. That is so profound that it can change lives, it can change hearts for eternity. Lord, I just pray your hand be on each one. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.